Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Pride? Conceit? Or how about this? Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Nothing wrong with ambition. Would to God that we would have ambition for the things of God. It's not ambition. It's when that ambition is motivated selfishly. And when motivation for ambition is selfish, you will always find that pride is at the core. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Pastor J.D. reminds us today how important it is to keep our selfishness in check. It's easy to forget that other people have lives and pains all their own. We get so caught up in ourselves that we don't concern ourselves with others. Stop comparing yourself to anyone else. Your standard should be Christ. Pride yourself in your humility. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 2 as he begins his message. Humility is the answer. Let's get started. Philippians chapter 2, and our text will be verses 1 through 11. We'll begin in verse 1 where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and by the Spirit says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then, verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, verse 5, have the same mindset As Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, verse 9, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. (laughs) So 
I've really been looking forward to these first 11 verses here in chapter 2 of Philippians because it deals with a, a very important topic of humility. If you had any idea of how much prayer went into preparing for this teaching on humility, it's always really hard when you come to that place in God's Word where it deals with humility and because it just reminds you of how humble you are not. And even when you think that maybe there is some semblance of humility in your life, you almost become proud of your humility and it ruins it. And you even become humble about your pride. Humility is kind of a, an elusive thing. But I titled this teaching, Humility is the Answer. And for this reason. Because if humility is the answer, then that means that there must be a question that humility is the answer to. And the question is this. What can solve, what can resolve conflict and problems in our relationships as Christians? Answer, humility. Humility. In the text that's before us today, the Apostle Paul is going to, true to form, put his finger on two reasons that those in Philippi were having conflict within the church. And they were having conflict in that church. And the conflict was due to selfish ambition and vain conceit, both of which fuel pride and as such are the source of conflict and division. And that's what I want to talk about today, how humility is the answer to those problems when conflict arises, whether it's in a church, in a home, in a marriage, in a family, in the workplace. When we get to chapter 4 in verses 2 and 3, Paul's even going to go as far as actually naming two women that were creating this conflict there in the church. And what was happening, it seems, was that these two women were causing those within the church, because of this conflict in the church, to choose sides. Listen to what he says in verses 2 and 3. He says, I plead with Euodia, I hope that's how you pronounce her name, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Interesting. In other words, these were Christians that were causing the the problems from within. And apparently it seems they were a tremendous blessing to the Apostle Paul 
in co-laboring with him as a companion for the cause of the gospel. But apparently what's happened is pride, conceit, or how about this? Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Nothing wrong with ambition. Would to God that we would have ambition for the things of God. It's not ambition. It's when that ambition is motivated selfishly. And when motivation for ambition is selfish, you will always find that pride is at the core. That's the truth of the matter, and this is exactly what was happening there in the church. Thankfully, Paul is rightly trying to deal with this conflict, and he wants to preemptively do so before it reaches the point where it splits the church. And it very well could have, were it not for the humbling of oneself being of the same mind. And it's for this reason that Paul is telling them that humility, humbling yourself, is the answer to resolving this conflict. I would suggest that pride is the source of all fighting and all arguing. And this, by virtue of how pride is at the center of selfish ambition and vain conceit, one has aptly noted that the letter I is right smack in the middle of the word pride. And oh, by the way, the letter I is also right smack in the middle of the word sin. You could probably take that further and come up with even more, but the point being is is that I, myself, me, myself, and I, as one has called the unholy trinity, is at the core of all sin. It's pride. Pride was the first sin. It wasn't in the garden. It was in heaven. When Lucifer became full of pride and exalted himself, And it's interesting, he said no less than eight times, I will ascend my throne above the Most High. I will. I will. You always know that you're harboring an attitude of pride when it starts with I. I. I, 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 I. (laughs) Join me in James, the fourth chapter. I want to read verses 1 through 10. I think you'll see why here in a moment. James is an interesting book. It's been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's written by the half-brother of Jesus, born to Joseph and Mary. And uh, you got to love James. And he doesn't pull any punches. I mean, he just blunt, in-your-face, <laughs> to-your-face, just says it like it is. And such is the case with what he writes here in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, asks, what causes fights and quarrels among you? In other words, what's the source of that fighting, those, those arguments, those disagreements, that conflict? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You desire 
but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive. Here's why. Because you ask with wrong, can I add, slash selfish motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit he has caused to dwell in us, speaking of the Holy Spirit, but he gives us more grace. That is why the Scripture says, God, listen, opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, and this is interesting, Resist the devil. Why resist the devil? Because the devil is the inventor of pride, if I can say it that way. The devil is the one who will come to you and tempt you and create this spirit within you of pride and arrogance and conceit. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. (laughs) I kind of think if James was alive today and he had a church and... (laughs) Boy. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then he says this, verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. I know for me, and again, I, you'll forgive the personal reference, but I actually have a degree in pride. <laughs> I'm a professional when it comes to pride. I can tell you a lot about pride, because <laughs> I know a thing or two about pride. And to me... I think of the Lord saying, humble yourself and I will lift you up. I think of it this way. He says to me, J.D., humble yourself in the sight of the Lord or I will do it for you. (laughs) Oh boy. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 10 says this, By pride comes nothing but strife. Did you hear that? Pride breeds strife. Pride is the source of quarreling and fighting and arguing and conflict, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 11.2 When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. I love these contrasting psalms. Because here you have the contrast of what pride creates and pride brings, contrasted with what, on the other side of that, humility brings. Humility brings wisdom. Pride brings foolishness. 
Humility brings peace and harmony. Pride brings conflict and fighting. Wars, conflicts. One of the things that I'm learning in my own life is when I humble myself before the Lord and before other people. All pride-fueled contention is ultimately dismantled. I'll just share by way of an example in my marriage, because as you know, as a pastor, I have a perfect marriage. My wife will be in second service, and I won't be sharing that second service. So, But when we have, I'm going to use the word marital conflict, but I'm also going to couch it in terms, as one pastor uh, called it, intense fellowship. Intense fellowship. And here I am, refusing to humble myself and admit I was rude. Remember the Fonz and the Happy Days? You young people have no idea what I'm talking about, but he could never, I mean, it was, just, it was incapable, really impossible of even coming out of his mouth. And that's pride. When I'm so full of myself, I will refuse. It is impossible for me to admit I was wrong. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. She needs to say she's sorry. Come on, let's be honest with her. Why are you looking at me like that? Right? Me? What about you? That's the pot calling the kettle black. And how about those two words that you should never use in any marital conflict? The two words? Always and never. Let me fill in the blanks. You always. You never. You. What about me? I'll never forget. This was (laughs) many years ago. My wife and I have been married for 30 years. This was relatively early on in our marriage. We were just having this, I mean, fight, okay? Let's just call it what it is. I mean, we are just laying into each other and yelling at each other and pointing the finger at each other. You never, you always. And in a rare moment (laughs) for me at the time, of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I just thought, wait a minute, stop. And I humble myself, and I said to my wife, Honey, I am so sorry. You're right. To which she responded, No, you can't do that. I'm going to do that first. It's very competitive. Then we fought about who was going to humble themselves first. You can't humble yourself before. I humble myself first. Think about this. And maybe you can remember a time in your life when this happened to you. But in that instant, in that moment, when I just humble myself and said I was sorry, 
it just changed the whole dynamic instantly. And, you know, I, I always know I've made a very good decision when my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. And it was at that moment where I realized, wow, I wish I would have said I'm sorry sooner because I could have avoided all of this grief and, you know, anger and, and make no mistake about it. It can really do damage to a relationship. And it was in that moment when I just humbled myself, I thought to myself, wow, I'm onto something here. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. This is what God's been trying to get through to me all along. Humility is the answer. See, here's the thing. When I'm full of pride, here's what I'm saying. And you can apply it to whatever your situation is by way of personal application, whether it's in the marriage relationship or family relationship or whatever the, the dynamic is. But when I'm full of pride, what I'm saying is, is that I am more important than you. My rights are more important than your rights. I fancy myself as being better than you. I think of myself more highly than I ought. And what happens is I then, as a result, will look down on other people. I have to confess, and I have confessed, that this is a a struggle for me personally when it comes to traffic. Why are you still looking at me like that? (laughs) I mean, here's what happens when I'm in traffic and I'm in a hurry. Doesn't that driver that just cut me off and is going really slow, like below the speed limit, which is like anathema, don't they know that I have to get somewhere? What am I saying? My time is more important than yours. They have to get somewhere too. I'm looking over here at Paula. Paula, I don't do that anymore. This was a long time ago on the mainland. I'm, I'm a very good law-abiding citizen. <laughs> but that's what pride does. You elevate yourself. You exalt yourself. And in so doing, you look down on other people. I like how one Bible commentator said it. If we looked into people instead of down on people, we would be filled with compassion for people. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Philippians. We pray the joy of the Lord fills your heart as you move through the rest of your day. We hope you'll take some time to spend with God today. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we always encourage you to revisit the scriptural text you heard on today's teaching and to learn for yourself what the Lord is saying through His Word. Know that we're praying for you as you lean into your relationship with God, and we'll continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor JD while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor JD updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies in the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in the Bible. You can view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. With the old wind.